0: The following sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Today's teaching comes from FIBC Senior Pastor N. Eric Nielsen. You know, we have, uh, I'm sure, many things in common. Uh, one of the things that I think all of us share is that none of us like to wait Am I right? We all spend our days waiting and none of us enjoy the wait. You go to the doctor's office, you have to wait your turn. You go to the grocery store, you have to wait in line. You go to the restaurant, you have to wait to be served. You switch on your computer, it takes time to boot up. You make a phone call, they put you on hold for a while. And ladies, you know this too, you always have to wait in line for the restroom, right? Sometimes we wait for very important things, like adoption papers to be approved, or tax refunds to be paid out, or to wait for an organ donor match, and none of us like to wait, or waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to come along. I think you would agree with me that most of us would rather avoid any waiting. You know, our lives are busy. We have so much we have to accomplish, and any time that we have to sit around and wait, it's irritating. I was trying to think of what it would be like on my next trip if I didn't have to wait at all. You know, you arrive at the airport, you get into the check-in line, and immediately someone says, Oh, hello, Mr. Nielsen, come on right up. And they'll take your luggage, and you head on over to security, and as soon as you arrive at security, they say, Oh, there's a line that's opened up just for you. And you walk right through do a little bit of shopping in the duty-free. You get into the line to get to check out, and they open a line just for you. Go ahead, Mr. Nielsen, you can, you can uh, pay for those items right here. And you go to your boarding gate, and as soon as you arrive, and they, t- they check that you've arrived, they close the, the doors and say, "We're sorry, we're not taking any more passengers on this flight. And you walk in, you sit down, and the stewardess tells the uh, pilot, you can go ahead now. Uh, Mr. Nielsen's arrived. And they say, control tower, this is flight, such and such. Uh, we have Mr. Nielsen on board, can we have a pushback at this time? And then off you go, no more passengers on the plane. And once you arrive, of course, you have to wait the time to fly. I mean, you can't avoid that, right? But as soon as you arrive, the, uh, they say over the, uh, the loudspeaker, welcome to London, everyone, and uh, we ask you to kindly to remain seated until the fastened seatbelt light has been switched off. And uh, we won't be switching that off until Mr. Nielsen has had an opportunity to take his luggage out of the uh, overhead compartment and make his way up to the front of the aircraft. Wouldn't that be great? Imagine life without having to wait. Well, friends, we do have to wait. You know, the universe, I hate to disappoint some of you, but the universe does not revolve around us. I mean, I know that some of you, that's news, right? That you suddenly have to wait. Um, Well, sometimes it is disappointing when we have to wait, but I think it is a good reminder that, yes, I'm not the only person here, and the world does not revolve around me. It may revolve around you, but not me. (laughs) Well, ever since Jesus first said to his disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And ever since he has said that, his disciples have waited eagerly for his return. Do you ever wish that he would come now? Or at least maybe by tomorrow? I know every Sunday the sermon has to be ready. I'm hoping he arrives on Saturday night. Maybe you have a big presentation to give tomorrow or a dissertation that, that's due. Maybe you're praying, Lord, return. Any time now would be great. Maybe there are just so many events in your life that have been sad that you want Jesus to come so that it'll all be over. Well, today we're going to look at a parable about the kingdom of heaven that tells us that we are to wait, but that we are to be ready at all times and while we are waiting that we are to be faithful. We've been going through this series of the parables to reveal what the kingdom of heaven is like and today in Matthew chapter 25 we'll look at a parable that Jesus tells about ten virgins. Ten virgins who were the bridesmaids at a wedding. So if you join with me turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25 and then turn one page back to chapter 24 to give you a little bit of the context here. Because in chapter 24, we see that during the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, then he and his disciples spent their days in Jerusalem, where Jesus was matching wits with the religious leaders there. And on one of those days, Jesus was leaving the temple area, And it says in chapter 24, verse 1, that Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. And Jesus says this in verse 2 of chapter 24 of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Jesus was speaking of a judgment day that was soon coming. There would soon be this day. And so as they gathered around Jesus, now they were on the Mount of Olives, just outside the city, most likely able to see the very buildings that Jesus has just referred to, as beautiful as they were, and that as Jesus has said that not one of these will be left standing upon the other, his disciples ask us in verse three, tell us when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? In other words, when will the kingdom of heaven really be here? Jesus had been saying throughout his ministry, the the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And part of what was going to happen was that God would come to judge, judge his people and judge the world and usher in this kingdom. And of course, the disciples are wondering, when is this going to happen? And Jesus gives them in chapter 24 several instructions. Among them, first of all, don't be afraid. Secondly, he says, watch out that no one deceives you. Why? Because there's going to be many who are going to be imposters, saying that they are the Christ. They are the one who was to come. They are the one who has returned for them. And thirdly, he said, keep watch or be alert. Remain alert. Be on the alert. Why? Because no one knows the day or hour of his return. So along with these commands, Jesus is expecting his disciples to so first of all, be ready at all times, and then to know that being ready means being faithful in the meantime while you're waiting for it to happen. And that's what we're going to look at today, to be ready and to be faithful while we wait. Now, several signs would indicate that his return was just around the corner, he said. There will be wars, there will be famines, there will be earthquakes, and that would be just the beginning of the birth pains. Now, any of you who has been through childbirth, you know that the beginning of the birth pains is not the end. It's just the beginning. And the signs would be the wars, the famines, and the earthquakes. The disciples would be persecuted and hated. Many would fall away and lead others astray. there would be false prophets. And he said that there would be an abomination which causes desolation that would be standing in the holy place to watch for those signs, and that in the skies they would be filled with supernatural phenomena. And Jesus says, again and again, that no one knows exactly the hour of his return, but the signs would be given just so that the disciples would know enough so as not to be deceived and to always be ready. No one is told when his return would actually happen. Jesus says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. And he gives two examples in history or uh, he gives an, the, uh, the example in history of Noah's day that very few were prepared for the flood. Only Noah and his family. The rest were not. And now in his own day, in Jesus' day, Jesus says that few will be ready and most will not be. And Jesus is expecting then for his disciples, That includes you and I who say we follow Christ. We live in obedience to his commands. It includes you and I who say that we trust him for our salvation, that we have to be ready. And Jesus gives some examples of how a house owner can be ready for a thief. How is he ready for a thief? He keeps watch over his house on every night because he doesn't know which night the thief will come. And just like a servant who's been entrusted with a task can be ready for his master, he doesn't know when his master will return, so he's faithful every day until he returns. And then, just like Ten virgins who were bridesmaids to a wedding, that they should be ready for a wedding, for the bridegroom to come." And if you'll turn now to chapter 25, verse 1, let's read this parable together, this parable to reveal to us this kingdom of heaven. At that time, Jesus says in verse 1, "...the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise." The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, "'Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him!' Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, "'Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out.' "'No,' they replied, "'there may not be enough for both of us and you.' Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour, he says. Ten virgins with their lamps waiting for the bridegroom. Now, according to Jewish custom, the bridegroom would proceed to the bride's home to pick up his bride and then return to his own home with her. And this wedding banquet was evidently taking place at night, so the virgins who greeted them had brought their lamps to light. Five of them were were wise, Jesus said, and five of them were foolish. What made them wise? Well, they took oil in jars with them. And the bridegroom delayed, so the virgins fell asleep. And when the cry came out, here comes the bridegroom, here comes the bridegroom, you know that call, right? Then all of them awoke and they trimmed their lamps, but the five foolish ones did not have enough oil with them. And they had to go and shop for oil, and so by the time they came back, the bridegroom had already come in and it was too late. They were not prepared for a long wait. You see, even though you know you may have to wait, sometimes you can be prepared for a long wait. The first time that Kim and I traveled with a little infant with us, we were traveling from Jakarta heading to the United States. We knew there'd be some transfers in some airports, so we were ready to wait sometimes. Now, we had an infant that was being bottle-fed, so we had to make sure that we had enough formula with us. And my wife, being a new mother, made sure that we had enough formula with us. And to make sure we had enough formula with us, we had like, I think, six or seven cans of formula. Maybe I exaggerate. Maybe there's actually six cans. No, um, there was a lot of cans of formula with us and I was the one having to carry the baby back, right? But we were prepared for a long wait. You never knew how long we might be at the airport, maybe six months, right? So we had to make sure we could feed the baby for those six months. But we were ready for a long wait. These ten virgins, five of them, were prepared in case the bridegroom would delay. The other five were foolish. They thought, well, there's no chance that the the bridegroom will delay. We'll be ready anyway. Well, Jesus will return for his waiting disciples and he expects us to be ready. The wise virgins from this parable were those who were prepared for the long delay. And the wise disciples will know that it could be a long delay. You know, the early church followers of Christ, they believed that Jesus would return in their day, but he didn't. And for centuries, Christians have expected Christ to return in their lifetime, and he hasn't. And today, you and I could be easily tempted to think, well, if he hasn't showed up yet, maybe he's not going to return for us. And mockers could build a very strong case against Jesus' return. People can easily understand us if we now have our doubts about, well, will he return or maybe he won't. They'll say, well, yeah, I can understand why you're doubting because he still hasn't returned. And remember, there are those who ignored the fact that Noah was building an ark. Yes, Noah was a preacher of righteousness while God waited patiently for him to complete the ark. And given from what we know, the details in Genesis, it could have been 80, 100, maybe even at most, 120 years to complete the ark. But the flood did come. And God has promised that judgment will come. And God has yet to fail on any one of his promises. So I ask you today, I ask myself, are you ready? Are you expecting that Jesus will return and that the Day of Judgment will be here when evil and sinful deeds will finally be condemned? Are you waiting eagerly for the fullness of the Kingdom to come here on Earth? Are you dealing with your doubts by remembering the prophecies and the warnings that have been fulfilled since? Because those who are ready will be ready at all times. And at all times will be faithful to do what they were assigned. Be ready, and secondly, be faithful, because in this series of parables that Jesus gives about the end times, about his return, he's speaking of being faithful to the task that they were given. The faithful and wise servant is, the, is blessed and given a charge over more responsibilities, while the wicked servants are cut to pieces and assigned a place with the, quote, hypocrites, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here the wise virgins share in the celebration of this wedding banquet, while the foolish virgins are shut out and the bridegroom doesn't know them. The good and faithful servants are praised and entrusted with more possessions, but the wicked and lazy servants are cast outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are the parables Jesus gives to prepare his disciples for his coming. And the emphasis once again is on the readiness of the wise ones even though he delayed longer than they expected. And the fact is that his return is still in the future. Even today, his return is still in the future, and it still is going to be sudden. And so I believe that there are at least five ways that you and I can be faithful while we wait. And that's what I'm going to dwell on next. I won't dwell on each one of these very long, but I believe there are at least five ways that you and I can be faithful while we are waiting, and it may still be a while before he returns. But the first of these ways that we can be faithful is that we can continue to preach the gospel. That's what we've been assigned to do, friends. Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses even to the ends of the earth. And being a witness is more than just doing witnessing. Yes, of course, you will have to share your testimony of who Christ is and who He is to you, how He's changed your life. Yes, but you are being a witness through your life, more than just your speech. What do we do? Well, we make disciples of all nations because that is what Jesus told His disciples. Make disciples of all nations as you go or while you go, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to do all which I've commanded. So, one of the ways that we prove that we are faithful as the followers of Jesus Christ is that we continue to preach the gospel. And the gospel is this Christ died for sinners. Friends, even today the gospel is under threat. For some people, the good news is none of us are sinners, you're all saved. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends because the wrath of God is upon all who have sinned, and God is holy and just. The good news is that the mercy of God is also extended to all who will believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died on the cross for the sins of the world. We cannot deny the fact that our sins separate us from God and that our sins will be judged. The good news is that Christ died for sinners, and that gospel is under threat. Some people will say you have to believe in Jesus Christ, and then you also have to X and Y and Z. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends. Those who have believed in Him and who sent Him have eternal life. They have passed from judgment. They have passed from death to life. And with that good news comes the hope of transformation and redemption. The Gospel is not just go ahead and stay in your sins because God loves you anyway. The Gospel is that God will redeem you from your sins and transform your life to become more like Christ. And truly, life is better when you are in a right relationship with God. And Jesus says to His disciples that the Gospel of the Kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we can be faithful, by continuing to preach the gospel. Secondly, we can be faithful by continuing to endure hardship. Yes, friends, it could be a while, and in the meantime we may have to endure hardship. Among the signs of Jesus' imminent return where people are going to turn away from the faith, there will be betrayal, there will be hatred, there will be false prophets deceiving people, there will be an increase of wickedness as hearts will grow cold. And Jesus says, only those who stand firm to the end will be saved. There will be days of great distress. Followers of Christ will be handed over to persecution and even put to death, and they will be hated by all nations. Why? Because they identify with Jesus Christ. So one of the ways that we can be faithful is we continue to endure this hardship. Paul was deserted by his friends, and yet he encouraged Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's who we are, friends. Paul was all too familiar with imprisonment, other hardship, but he says if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithful, faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And today, you and I may have to endure persecution or embarrassment. Imprisonment, maybe? Maybe. <clears throat> maybe you have to endure mocking that happens at the office. Or maybe while you're recreating. Friends, that's a piece of cake. Maybe people will challenge you because they have so called scientific evidence against the existence of God. Well, all of those are refutable. Maybe you'll be rejected from parties because you don't like to party like the others. Well, friends, who cares? Teasing, maybe, because you choose to remain pure, or you wait for sex until marriage, or you remain faithful to your spouse. Teasing shouldn't be a problem. Realize, friends, that Christians historically, even today, endure physical torture. They endure imprisonment. They endure public mockery, even a beheading, because they embrace the claims of Christ. And some of those other things I've mentioned shouldn't be all that difficult for us then. To the church in Philadelphia, Jesus says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Revelation chapter three, verse 10 through 11. Which brings me to the third way that we can be faithful. We can be faithful by continuing to believe In our future rewards. The author of the book of Hebrews, and you can turn there with me to chapter 10, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10. Reminding us as well of how we can be faithful while we wait for Christ to return. In chapter 10, verse 32, the author says to them, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. We can endure our hardships because we continue to believe in our future reward. Do not throw away your confidence, the writer says. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Are we among those, friends? I hope so. Keep on believing in your future reward. Jesus continuously taught that it was more blessed to be among his disciples, to be insulted and persecuted and falsely accused. Why, Why should, we, should, we, should we rejoice and be glad? Because great is your reward in heaven. So as we continue to endure, we continue to believe in our future rewards. And then a fourth way that we can be faithful so that we are ready for his return is that we must persist in our struggle against sin. Persist in your struggle against sin. Don't give up fighting against the desires of the flesh, the urges of the sinful nature. Colossians 3, verse five through 10, you can turn there with me as well. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Yes, it may be a while, but don't give up in your struggle against sin. Persist as we overcome through his power and through his strength. Don't surrender the fight. Because if Jesus were to return right now, would he find us engaging in sinful pleasures, or would he find us being faithful, pursuing the opposite virtue, You know, it's one thing to avoid sinful pleasures, but what we really should be about is pursuing righteous virtues, purity, wholeness, love, kindness. Because if we're not pursuing those virtues, we won't win the fight against sin and sinful desires. And fifthly, the way to be faithful while we're waiting is that we continue to separate ourselves from evil. Paul instructed the Ephesians that the wrath of God is coming upon evildoers. It's coming upon those who are disobedient in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. And therefore, because judgment will be coming on the disobedient, he says, do not be partners with them. See, the days are going to be more and more evil. Christians, then, while they become more evil, should be, and I quote, very careful then, how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. See, in the Apostle Paul's mind, there was no time to waste. He figured Jesus was coming in his own lifetime. And yes, friends, centuries have passed and Jesus has not yet returned, but it could very well be in our lifetime. We know this for sure. We are closer to the end than we have ever been before. You know, it could be very near. It could really be tomorrow. It's sort of like the runner who's running. He doesn't know how far he's run yet. He doesn't know exactly where the finish line is, and he's ready to give up. Little does he know, there's just one kilometer, one more turn around that bend, and there's the finish line. Wouldn't it be sad to give up with one kilometer to go? Yes, Jesus could return tonight. Or perhaps we might die and meet him today just remember that maybe your finish line could also be just around the corner. And Jesus' disciples, the faithful ones, are those who are ready for his return, even though he delays, and even though he delays longer than expected. So are you being faithful today in what your master expects of you until he returns? There's five ways that I've just given you today that you can be faithful. We have two more sermons on the parables. Next week, unless the Lord returns before that, Alan will preach on the shrewd manager which will apply some of our material or financial resources in terms of being faithful with those. And in two weeks from now, unless the Lord returns before then, Austin will preach on the talents, the parable of the talents, which will apply to a much broader spectrum of the things that we have been entrusted with. So come prepared for those in case Jesus doesn't return in the meantime. Friends, Christ has made it clear to his disciples we are to be ready at all times and to be faithful in the meantime. Let's pray together.